Master Skywalker. There are too many of them. What are we going to do? Hello and welcome to Abnormal Mapping. This is episode 50. I'm your host, M. With me is a regular second chair wingman, the Junpei of my heart, Jackson. I'm leaving, you motherfucker. <laughs> you, you motherfucker. You're starting the new, the new relaunch show like this. The Junpei of my heart, you. <laughs> I had witty banter prepared, ready to go. I was like starting to say it, and then you just. You want to? You want to walk it back? Do you just want to? She just kicked me into a volcano. <laughs> <laughs> what, what was your actual witty banter? Come on, it's gone. we can reset. Let's no. just pretend. Let's just pretend I just introduced you normally. Let's go. So here's there. my co-host Jackson Tyler. How's you see, it going? Now you're owning me again because I didn't actually have witty banter prepared. I was just <laughs> saying that my witty banter consisted of me yelling E3 really loudly. <laughs> that was it. You sh- you and now you have this now a bit. You- <laughs> now you forced to force me to reveal how little I have. So thanks. Welcome everyone. Welcome to this podcast. So this is the, this is the first of a new abnormal mapping. Yes. We're down to just the two of us again. We can make it if we try. Uh, I was going to say that we're going to end up murdering each other, but that's probably the same. Uh, well, those aren't the lyrics to Just the Two of Us. I, what if they were, though? <laughs> just the two of us. We're going to end up murdering each other one day. <laughs> Will that, Smith that makes that song son. real dark. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who knows what happened in the Smith household? Who do you think would win in a fight? Jaden well, or Will? It's not about Jaden. It's about the third Smith kid. Oh, right. The one that doesn't matter. Exactly. <laughs> Well, I guess we have the motivation now. <laughs> yeah, I, I, but I mean, I guess that means the answer is totally Jaden, right? I mean, Jaden probably could win the fight. But no, like, Will Smith and his other son fight, and then Jaden's there to pick up the bodies and be like, now I'm rich, or richer, I guess. He's already rich. Punches uh, Will Smith, his father, to death and goes, welcome to Earth. Uh, yep, sure. Sure. We're gonna get that co-branding money with, uh... Independence Day. Hang on. Two? Is it Resurgence? July the fifth. ID five. Independence. <laughs> Independence Day. Revengeance. It's not Revengeance. I think it is Resurgence. Is Resurgence, right? It's one of those words. <laughs> those Doesn't words. Resurgence mean something that's like is like bubbling up from underneath? Like it implies like a level of like on the down low. I feel like a bigger spaceship coming from deep space doesn't count as resurging anything. Uh, I I can't tell you. Like these answers, we'll have more for you at Gamescom. <laughs> uh, tell me about the multiplayer. Uh, uh, well, uh, as well, there's you can play as Jeff Goldblum and Liam Hemsworth. Uh, oh right, the lesser Hemsworth is in this. <laughs> yes, <laughs> like who should we replace Will Smith with? The lesser Hemsworth, lesser in size, not necessarily in talent. I think uh, he's fine. 
He's uh, been in the Hunger Games, right? Yes. Okay. As you can tell, we are uh, attempting to do a slightly less structured show. <laughs> I mean, you know, we said last time we're not going to have a game club, so we have one of those. And we're not going to have segments, so we have those. Uh, <laughs> this month's game club. <laughs> no, no, no. Don't spoil the flow of the show. Okay. I mean, they'll know. They'll know. The name's probably something stupid about Star Wars, uh, this That's episode. True. It hasn't been determined yet. Uh, worth knowing a little behind the sausage. We don't pick the names of these until the podcast is basically done. <laughs> yep. I assume every podcast that has titles is like that, though. No, we actually pick ahead of time and then make sure that that quote gets humorously into the episode at some point. It's a oh, could you imagine running a podcast like that? Oh, God, I would die. I would just die. The, the work of coming up with the name and then trying to organically backfill it into podcast banter? That's That's yep. hell. That's hell. Someone's nope. done that. Someone's tried that and failed. I bet a lot of podcasts have tried that and failed. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, a lot of podcasts have failed. Well, please enjoy the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> That's getting bleeped. <laughs> okay, you're editing this a bit. Then. I am. I don't bleep anything. I mean, that's not true. I'll bleep one thing and one thing only. <laughs> uh, yeah. Good point. Accurate. Yep. yep. Forever and always. So have you been in this the week of E3? This this is going to come out multiple weeks after, or I guess one week after E3, right? It's been yeah. one week since we watched E3. It's been one day since I took off work and we sat through six and a half hours of E3 coverage. Oh, just oh. So what happened? Here was my day. So I get I get up, I walk around, I get I get lunch, uh, I sit down. It's about five o'clock, watch the Microsoft press conference, have a good time there, immediately get the news that I am being forced out of my house, uh, sit down, come watch the rest of the uh, PC gaming show, <laughs> and proceed with the day of video game news. So it was a fun, emotional time. And it turns out press conferences are actually a great distraction from ludicrous bullshit happening in your life. Uh, yep. No, for sure. No, that's that's why I once put 200 hours into Pokemon, so. <laughs> uh, I mean, I guess from that perspective, six and a half hours into E3, looking good. I'm coming out on top. I mean, I went and then watched those all again with Giant Bomb talking over them today, so <laughs> I've made the worst choices. Mm-hmm. E3 is, uh, it's happened twice now. Uh, are you excited for anything? Uh, Spider- Spider-Man. I'm the biggest sucker. It's actually just Spider-Man. Just by, of all the things at E3, Spider-Man's your game of the show. You, GTOS. I mean, like, no, because it's. I don't know if it's good. But f- Spider-Man Two is really good. I mean, not anymore, but Spider-Man Two was really good in 2004. It's that was over a decade ago. Sure, but the part that was good is still good, and they just need to put that part into another game. So so we've run a podcast that's about playing old games. Do you think that if you went back and played Spider-Man 2 now, you'd be like, yeah, this is good, this is quality, I appreciate what they're doing here? Yeah, I just don't think you should play the whole game. Oh, you, you just want to deliver pizzas and pick up balloons? Yeah, just deliver p- pizzas, pick up balloons, don't play like 12 hours of Is that the, the game that lets stuff? you fight on the side of a wall, or is that not till later? No, that's totally, you can fight on the side of the wall. Okay, I don't, I don't <laughs> like... Anything I, so I good played, about I the Spider-Man a, franchise comes in that one. Except I played maybe a Web lot of, of Spider-Man 2, and I played a lot of Web of Shadows, and I get them mixed up constantly. Web of Shadows uh, is really cool. The one thing it doesn't do is it doesn't let you swing from the buildings. Um, the swinging is really good. It just doesn't have the tethering. I didn't have the time for that. Uh, but Web of Shadows has, like, aerial combat is its thing. You Ask me anything really about Spider-Man games. What? Oh, uh, tell me about a man you once knew, Nathan Rad Spencer. 
and his swinging arm as he had to attach to everything. None of this, oh, it's just going to, like, point you at a building. No, you have to get on branches. You have to get on struts. I'm just saying, Spider-Man's pretty weak compared to Mr. Spencer. It's true. Uh, He is held up by his wife to buildings. Yep. (laughs) Spider-Man doesn't have a wife in his shooters. (laughs) Uh, he probably does. That's probably happened at some point. Someone's been no, like, no, no, no. Spider Man made a deal with the devil to like fix the world in exchange for giving up his marriage, so his uh, wife was erased from history. I, I know that, but that's no, that's that's on the same level as uh, Mike Patton's. Is it like Ma- Mike Patton's wife is his arm? Yeah, but I think that you and your wife both consenting to like, oh, let's forget that we ever got married, but we get to continue living our lives and the world's better is like orders of magnitude less gross than we like took your wife's soul and put it in your arm yeah but it's mm, yeah yeah you, you, you're right. like i bet more people are mad about that because people actually like spider-man and nobody cares about bionic commando but <laughs> oh, me no, and you've jeff gersman ru- you've ruined but... the rich canon of bionic commando Eh, whatever <laughs> grin look it was a thing before it was grins I know. Remember Grin? Yes. There was once upon a time when I was achievement hunting that I almost game flied that Terminator game. So. <sighs> oh. <laughs> that's, oh, when, that's when I was the worst person about video games. Uh, what, so Twitter enabled self-retweeting today, and I did a search of my old Twitter name plus dumb terms to find uh, silly tweets that I have made. And one of the things I found was uh, automated tweets saying that for uh, 50 true gamer points, uh, I had, or true achievement points, I guess, I had unlocked the power gamer achievement in Mass Effect 2. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. What does that mean? I think it means I hit max level. Oh, okay. It might mean I did two playthroughs or imported a multiple playthrough save of Mass Effect 1. Oh. I don't. How many times did you play through Mass Effect 1, Jackson? Four. Okay. Did you do different things each time? Yeah. Did you romance all the people? Yeah. Did you ever save Ashley? No. <laughs> Good. No. Good. No, I didn't. You made no. the right choices here. <laughs> You know, I was making fun of past me, but it turns out he was all right. <laughs> yeah, no, no, these are the questions I have to ask. Oh, Captain, my Captain, <laughs> why did you let me die? Ah, uh, fucking Mass Effect. I think it the was beautiful part... that there so, was no Mass Effect footage this year. <laughs> the proof of Mass Effect being bad is that if Mass Effect was good, like, you would actually want to keep the space racist alive because it'd lead to really interesting conversations and interactions with her and the rest of your alien crew. Austin, in Friends of the Table, would never let the space racers die like that. <laughs> uh, yep. We don't, we don't really update the reading list anymore, but if, hey, if you want video game goodness without the actual video games, go listen to Friends of the Table. It's, it's a really fantastic good. podcast. Yeah, if you're like, if you listen to like the first couple episodes and like, oh, it sounds bad, and it does, go skip to the beginning of season two. It sounds much better. Yeah. And then go back once you're hooked and you're like, I need more of these people in my life. Mm-hmm. I've been considering re-listening to season one, so that's where I'm at. There are other actual play podcasts. Yeah, but none of them have those people. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no. If I want to go listen to fucking Will Wheaton play D&D, I can go do that, I guess. But... Oh, I, I felt pain. 
I'm, I'm, I mean, that's probably mean to Will Wheaton. He's, he can do what he wants. He can play some D and D. I'm not going to stop him. So the, so me and Destiny are watching Star Trek: Next Generation. We recently saw the season five episode, The Game, in which Will Wheaton comes back, and uh, Destiny cannot help but remark every time Will Wheaton shows up, a that he looks super awkward as a teen, which is true, he does, but also that she can't help but like him, and I can't help but roll my eyes so hard that anyone in 2016 would still think of Will Wheaton as anything other than the fucking worst. <laughs> He's woke. He is the most woke nerd. <laughs> Like it was Joss Whedon, but then he made robot lips, and everyone hates him now. So it's it's now Will Whedon. Uh, Joss Whedon had had to delete his account and thus become unwoke again. Uh, yeah, people were like, "Delete your account," and he's like, "Sure, I don't care." <laughs> he followed the advice and actually worked out real well for him. <laughs> yeah, no, I I bet wherever Will wherever Joss Whedon is at, he's way happier. <laughs> I yeah. He's not making movies anymore. He's not on Twitter. Now Twitter only yells at him every six months when he has an interview and does something bad. Not every week. Yeah, well. Well, it could be worse. He could be Notch. <laughs> All right, ending this segment, rewinding it back to an actual topic because uh, this has gotten out of hand. I'm not talking about Notch. So Spider-Man's your game of the show. Probably. This is what we're actually talking about. Okay. Uh, I mean, like in terms of the game of show E3 uh, like promise way, I don't know if that's a real video game yet. Probably is, but who knows? That, I mean, like... The thing that they showed is not a real video game. I bet that Spider-Man looks similar to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, that trailer isn't a real video game, but I believe in Somniac to make a good one. Uh, like, of all the people who would make one, they're probably the people I'd be most excited for doing so. Yeah. Uh, now, they'll never and make a like, game again. But <laughs> that, that, is, that is the game I was, uh, like, probably most excited for coming out of Sony's... No, that's not true. But I was very excited about it. Uh, I think that they will totally make a Ratchet and Clank game again. I think that game sold all right. Oh, the movie true. did garbage, but <laughs> Sony was putting that bill, not Insomniac. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I'm also really excited for Zelda. Uh, I'm, I can't, I can't remember anything else I watched. There's just a video game just went into my brain and then I died. Like, I, uh, well, let me tell you about a game, a little game called yes. Watch Dogs 2. All right. Pl- go on. Tell me the story. <laughs> Oh, well, you can act, and you can act, and you can act. Acking. Acking. Become the acker. <laughs> Become that thing. I'm glad that yeah. Cameron's video, you should go watch it if you don't know what we're referencing. Um, we'll link it. We'll, we'll link, link it. it in the description. Is It's just Watch Dogs 2 refined. Yeah, none of that pesky, you have to play it. Oh, imagine, oh God, could you think of anything more exhausting than playing Watch Dogs 2? Than, like, actually playing it. Like, playing that whole game. You could play Watch Dogs 1. Yeah. <laughs> Set myself up for that, didn't I? <laughs> yeah, just a teed, little bit. Just, just teed it. Just... Yeah, no. You set him up, I knock him down. Yep. What's, uh, so my... what is yours? What would your answer to this question be? So my joke answer is mm-hmm. a FIFA 17 story mode, probably. Yeah. The journey. Because I want to play the journey. I want to play the journey after the seminal Spike Lee masterpiece NBA 2K16 story mode. That actually has a name, doesn't it? Uh, Living the dream. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I haven't played it yet. I really should, but my PS4 is full. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I I'm excited for more story story mode. I like that it's not a created character. Like they actually got a guy. I think that's like the 
the problem with the Spike Lee thing is you end up with the Nick Brecken situation in which you're playing a white dude who's very specifically in like a black context. Well, the thing is, it is like it's he's still a character. Like he has dialogue. Yeah, um, but you could just use your creative character, and that's ludicrous. Don't yeah, do that. But what if like there's there's nothing to suggest that that's just not the default appearance, and you can totally do that in this game. Oh no! Not if they brought him out on stage. What? You, I mean, maybe. Like, who knows? Like, she- Shepard exists as a person. Oh, don't mark mirror me with this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry to have deflated you like this, but I totally think you can create your like. Of course, you can create your character and put them in that story mode. Oh no! no you, I was excited because I'm a footballer now. But <laughs> tell me the story. Are we going to put this E3 segment on hold while you tell everyone <laughs> my favorite story of the month, which is the story of how uh, you became a footballer? <laughs> okay, so I was listening to Giant Bomb podcast Alt F1, which is about F1, not about football. <laughs> but yep. because it, Danny O'Dwyer is there, and he's, uh, you know, he is from the land of football. <laughs> Um, he, they end up talking about football a lot. And I asked Jackson randomly one day when I was bored at work, is FIFA a good game? Because I didn't know the answer to that. <laughs> like, I know it's a popular game, but a good game, that's different. Like, you know, like Call of Duty is popular. I wouldn't necessarily call it good. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Jackson replied the affirmative. Yes, call a FIFA. I was almost like Call of Duty. Yes, FIFA is a good game. Uh, and I was like, maybe we should play that sometime, which ended 10 minutes later in both of us buying copies of FIFA 16. Uh, I also and have a you copy of buying Pro- a copy of Pez, yeah. Uh, you, you bought Pez. I, I only got Pez because there's a cheap copy out in Europe at the moment for like 10 quid because of the Europe competition. You couldn't get Pez, unfortunately. But you wouldn't want it because... <laughs> so, I was like, okay, we're going to do FIFA. Let's get into FIFA. And part of my whole thing, or like a thing I try to cultivate, I wouldn't say it's my thing. I think a lot of people do this, is when you want to get into something, you need to like find an avenue in which you invest like probably more than you should or, like, really want to, but, like, you can fake it till you make it with, like, fandom in a lot of ways. Like, oh, let's go in and let's learn about this one thing that I really like. And for football, that meant choosing a team to support. Uh, and where is... do we go but to the quizzes? So that construction alone means I've already fallen too far because no one in America says, oh, I have a team I support. Uh, that is the most British of constructions. Uh, it's true. Um, but, yeah, so I was like, uh, I don't know how to pick a team. And picking sports teams is really hard because most people just, like, grow up in the culture and, like, they find a team that's, like, hot when they are young or, you know, like, a player they really like or their family likes a team or it's somewhere near them that they see games of. And, in you know, the, in the, football specifically, it's all, like it's almost always the local team. Okay. Uh, I bet that's more true with, like, Premier League than it is, like, other countries, but sure. Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I mean, in UK football culture, you support the place near you, otherwise you're an asshole. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I mean, well, here's my story about how I became a supporter of Chelsea. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So you were uh, Skyping me going, is this team cool? And I was like, well, they were cool. And they got bought by a billionaire and bought all the big players and started winning. So they became very uncool after that. <laughs> so, yes. so knowing this, I decided to find if there were quizzes that would just sort me like Harry Potter style into a team to support. And just like Harry Potter, it is actually a weird, uh, like a class sorting mechanism. Yes. And uh, so I had to learn a lot about the various uh, grocery stores in your country. <laughs> grocery stores, celebrities and like supermarkets and like But like, like, like C tier celebrities for the record. <laughs> like David Badil. <laughs> yeah, I still don't know who that is and you told me, so... <laughs> 
to Lisa. Uh, and they sorted me into who did they actually? Sort? I forgot that whole team by now. Uh, Ma- Man City, Man- Manchester yes, City, Manchester City, yes. Which you told me was like maybe not the best choice. That was the team that was cool a while ago, then got bought by a billionaire and started winning everything for a while. Yep. So I was like, I need a, I need a better quiz. I need a quiz that's less about demographics and more about gut feeling. And so because so let's pull back a little bit. My criteria was. I wanted a team that hasn't moved cities because that's gross. Like I, I'm American sports teams all the time. is really gross. I don't like be a local team, like have supporters, support those people. Uh, I wanted one that didn't like Yankees their way into having all the best players. Cause I know that's rife in soccer. Yep. Uh, and uh, I wanted one that was like, didn't have the worst reputation in the world. Uh, and so a quiz that like aligned with that, like, cause one of the questions was like, do you want a team that's like been local and has like passionate local fans or do you not care about that? And I'm like, no, 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 I care about this. Uh, and they gave me the baggies. Do you remember the actual name of the team? Yes. West Bromwich Albion. Yes. West Bromwich Albion, which is the hilarious joke answer of the most ludicrous British name of a Premier League team. I suggested to you before you took the, the first quiz. So, yeah, I was like, which team do you think I got sorted into? And you said West Bromwich Albion. Did you mean that as totally a joke because it has a ludicrous name? Or did you think, oh, that's the right choice? I mean, it's also like a choice lower down in the like standings. Uh, that's weird to say standings about fucking football. Um, lower down in the league tables, as they are known, uh, who have always had like a passionate group of local fans and have lost all the time. So, yeah, I was like, yeah, probably West Brom. Maybe QPR. Like... Well, I got West Brom, and now I am, like, pricing out baggy scarves on fucking British storefronts. And, like, and, oh. And, and I was like, you I didn't know that America would know to go for the scarf. And then I had it explained to me that anything that America knows about the UK's, like, specific cultural things that aren't just universal all comes from Harry Potter. All of it. Yeah. If you get into a certain house, and what is a football team but a house? Yep. You get a you get a scarf that denotes your loyalty, and that's how British people do things. Uh, yeah, and the, the left winger catches the snitch. It's how in in a, yes in America. Oh wow, uh, Mitomo just went off. I'm going to delete this thing. <laughs> <laughs> the Legend of Zelda <laughs> items are here. Thanks, thanks. Uh, we, thanks I guess we can't edit that now. Mitomo sucks. <laughs> I hope I hope whatever Animal Crossing thing comes out on mobile is way better than Mitomo because Mitomo sucks. I got bad news uh, for you. <laughs> Like a bad news for you. Like, like if they let me decorate a house and make it so I can acquire things without like spending so much money in the world and never get extra, uh, it'll be fine. That last part. That's the part. Yeah. No, you're right. Anyway, uh, we're talking about Harry Potter, right? We're talking about the way the oh right, right. uh, In America, in America, it would be a baseball cap or a foam finger, but in your country, it's a scarf. Uh, we also have foam fingers. They, they gen- tend to not be branded. It's more just <laughs> so have foam finger. You don't have uh, baseball caps, though. I mean, we do, but they're not a thing. And my head is large, and uh, so I don't wear hats. Yep. It is it is outsized for a hat. Scarves. Also, also, fucking dudes who wear baseball caps are just the worst. Yep. Like, after you're like 16, you better be like actually cool, or you need to put that shit away. Or, like, you need to be, like, the most, like, older dad. Like, that's allowed, I guess. Mm-hmm. I used to wear my dad. Caps. My dad has a ludicrous collection of baseball caps, <laughs> for the record. 
Anyway, so that's the that's the that's the baggy story. That's the yeah, baggy so, anecdote. So yeah, I, I'm into FIFA now. I like the football. I'm gonna watch Bennett like Beckham maybe uh, next weekend. Yep, that's a that's a football movie. That and is a when the premier when the Premier League starts, I'm going to use my VPN to watch games uh, over the internet. I'm gonna wake up way too early and watch uh, football. Actually, not that. It's not like F1 where I have to wake up at 5 a.m. All uh, all the games bar like a few will be at three o'clock my time, so they will be yeah. at about uh, nine. nine o'clock your time. So it's actually yeah, fine. That's... You wake up early enough anyway for that. Yeah, no, I haven't slept in past nine in a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, that's that's my football story. So the actual real answer. <laughs> yeah, sorry to the question of twenty minutes ago. So when we said no structure, we meant it. We meant it. Yeah, uh, we, we we lived up. I feel like maybe we should have structure next time. <laughs> our our real answer, uh, my real answer to Game of the Show is Dishonored 2. I mean, it was always going to be Dishonored 2. Yep. Uh, Dishonored was pr- one of the, not like, okay, top five surprises doing this podcast. Because we've actually had a lot of games that like I've really fallen for that I never would have played outside of Abnormal Mapping. Uh, but it's the one that's getting a sequel, so I care the most about it right now. There um, is a Planescape Torment 2 on its way. I mean, it's not, like, it's not, nor should it be a Planescape Torment 2. That's there true. is a spiritual successor, which, as Destiny helpfully pointed out, is a thing only video game people say, because only we live in this hellscape where they make fake sequels to things that we like. <laughs> <laughs> right? There must be spiritual successes in other things. There has far. I've never even considered that that was only a video game term, but it totally is. No, because she makes fun of me because her friend growing up said it, and he was a person who was always in like video game culture and magazines. Like he wanted to write for like uh, EGM or something when that was a thing you could do. And yeah, I realized that only video game people say that. Fuck. Well, I typed in the the word spiritual successor to Google, and the first response was TV tropes. So. We all I need mean, to feel really bad. Yeah, no, we're we're gonna we're gonna take an editorial mandate here and ban that from use on our site. <laughs> and if you're listening and you run a website, maybe you should do the same. Yep. Uh, what was, oh, Dishonored two. So Dishonored is really great. Uh, you know what was not so great about it? Corvo, because Corvo sucks. So the opportunity to play as not Corvo sounds pretty good. Hello, um, Corvo. From the footage, it looks like it doesn't do the thing that we talked about at the end of that, where I really wanted it to be an open world. But it's still Dishonored, and Dishonored's good, and I'll play more Dishonored. My question is, where's Dodd? I'm the only person who cares, apparently. Uh, I want, I want twenty years later, Michael Madsen just skulking around the shadows of that game. <laughs> he's, he's in a Quentin Tarantino movie. No, he's not. <laughs> well, I mean, what else is Michael Madsen doing? Probably in like some shitty FMV game. Don't Command and Conquer Five. Here we go. Here we go. Yeah. What's Twisted Pixel making right now? I bet he's in that. <laughs> oh come on, Twixed Twixed Pistol. Twixed Pistol. <laughs> <laughs> Twisted Pixel don't deserve that. Twixt the Pistols <laughs> is my favorite, like Twin Peaks Max Payne crossover. Uh, betwixt the pits, the pixels. <laughs> No, the pistols, not the pixels. <laughs> Betwixt the pistols is my favorite uh, shooting game podcast. <laughs> uh, please make that someone. I won't listen to it because I don't care about shooters, but please make that. There, there's already yeah. a shooter podcast. It's called Bullet Points. Oh, okay. Is it good? I haven't listened to it. 
Sorry, oh, okay. Butterflies. Yeah. I guess that's what we said. We weren't, we weren't going to listen to it. <laughs> accurate statements. Yep. Um, Christ. So I um, I like that they changed the setting. I feel like it looks even more like Assassin's Creed in this one. So that's a plus to me because uh, it's like a vaguely Mediterranean feel to that city, at least in the shots they showed. Yeah. Uh, and uh, also, the, like, in a world in which I realize that I like a lot about Bioshock, except for the part where it's Bioshock, that they're just continuing to make cool Bioshock, but with stealth instead of wrenching guys is my favorite thing. Well, buddy, just let, give me more Bioshock. If you liked Bioshock, but hate the, the part where it was Bioshock, let me introduce you to all games made after 2012. That's not true. I feel like for Dishonored, it's it's way deeper than that because like there's so much about the aesthetic and like the sensibilities of place that reeks of that sort of. Oh, you're right. Uh, it, yeah. it is. Uh, I like a successor in the games, uh, like of the the shock games and the thief games, like in that genre, rather than being a Gone Home esque. We made Bioshock and now making spatial exploration games. Yeah, uh, Dishonored like has spatial exploration, but it's not a spatial exploration game. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna is, murder is, everyone. I'm gonna murder. I am everyone. going. I am going to murder as few people as possible. Well, we'll see who wins. <laughs> I mean, I will probably end up doing more horrible things than murder to a lot of those people in the course of getting a non-lethal end. But <laughs> the solid one's most hilarious moment is in the the good ending is to just uh, drug this woman and just give her to this man in in a sewer. And that's it. And he just goes. She just goes with her him unconscious. But at least that's the non-lethal option. Yep. You cut off the tongues of two men and then force them into slavery and they can't speak against it? Yep. Good guys. Good guys. Corvo. Yep. Pretty much. Fake Assassin's Creed. I mean, to be fair, those all fit. They're not very honorable. Uh, yep. (laughs) That's true. It is the most dishonored of choices. (laughs) It's dishonored good. (laughs) The only way to be honorable is not to play. (laughs) <sighs> but that's E3. Zelda looks cool. I pre-ordered two Amiibo today. That's what happened to me. We all knew this was coming. Can you guess which two I pre-ordered? Moth. No. Hey, <laughs> I don't think those Zelda ones are on the on Amazon yet, because I only buy from Amazon, because that's who I am. I'm the uh, worst. Waluigi? Yep. And Boo? No. Uh, what else was In fact, there? I explicitly tweeted oh, that right. Boo totally, was the worst amiibo. You totally did do that. I was like, I remember Boo being said, but I guess it was in the other context. Boo's not even a character. Like, that's an enemy. Whoa. Whoa. That's it's so- true. As Boo is crying. Crying. Is, is a Cooper care. a character? Like, Cooper's a characters. No. I've played Paper Mario. Yeah, they have names. The ones that matter, the ones that you interact with, have names. Okay, so if this was a, like, a, the Boo party member from Paper Mario, I don't know if yeah. there is one, that would be different. Uh, there totally is. She has a fan. She's awesome. I don't remember her name, sadly, right okay. now. But she's not but a But she has that evil enemy. Southern Belle laugh. Okay. Uh, she has I- that butler. <laughs> she has a ghost butler, Jackson. How oh, do you not remember fuck, this? I do remember this. God, Paper Mario's pretty good. Her name's Bo. I think it's just Bo. I think it's just Bo. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what the second one was, because I don't know what Amiibos came out, because I didn't pay attention to the Amiibo times. Well, it's everybody's favorite third-string princess. It's Princess Daisy, of oh, course. Oh, hey, Princess Daisy. Yeah. I don't know what that works for. I guess they're going to put out a new Mario Party that probably works with those. Uh, if you um, are playing the emulated Mario Galaxy and you put Daisy on, she just punches Rosalina in the face and replaces her. 
yeah, like, maybe. Don't I mean, steal I don't, my spot. I don't want Daisy to replace Rosalina. Rosalina, Rosalina before Miyamoto ruined her, <laughs> occupies a very special place in the Mario canon that no one can supplant. Uh, but Let's now see. she's just giant waifu, so I don't know. Uh, we're just going to say it, I guess. Fucking Miyamoto. <laughs> yeah, fucking Miyamoto. Fucking Miyamoto. Mario talk about is a phenomenal game. It is a phenomenal game in a way that no Mario game, uh, maybe, I don't know, I haven't played Yoshi's Island, but I assume it like, could do similar things in tone. Uh, but no Mario game since will ever do because Miyamoto was like, you, you folks making, making a game with some feelings? You folks doing that? I don't. Don't do that. Get out. Yeah. Get the fuck out of my in house. In fact, maybe, maybe take out all of the story forever. Uh, what if we replaced the like melancholy uh, just hub world with the Mario uh, map? What if we did that? And you're on a big Mario head. Kids love it. Yeah, yeah kids love it. Fuck Galaxy 2. <laughs> yeah. Galaxy 2 is a good game, but fuck Galaxy yeah, 2. Yeah, no, it's fine. It's fun. But fuck Galaxy 2. Yeah, and uh, fuck 3D World also, while we're at it. <laughs> while we're just taking down Nintendo a peg. You, you know, like... The actual, like, most inventive, most interesting, difficult Mario game that's been made in recent ever of 3D Land. What if we took out all the parts that are cool so we have to make it bigger to support four players and then we put cats in it because everybody loves cats. That's fine. That's fine. I mean, why have, like, really, really tight level design when you can have meme bait? Uh, yeah, I don't know. Watch Dogs 2. <laughs> In stores next spring. Ake. <laughs> oh, you are no Maui brother, and his name is Joe McGraw. And he's lately joined the football club for his Maraboot football, and he's got two black eyes already, and teeth no fee has got since the Joe became a member of that terrible football club. Oh, he's football crazy, he's football mad. And a football it has robbed him Oh, the wee bit since he hadn't It would tag a dozen skillies His place to wash and scrub Since the job became a member Oh, that terrible football club Oh, the first match he took part in I was there myself and saw Did two half breaks for the goalposts And a tin can for the ball And the provost of Glasgow He was there with lords and ladies fair When a joke ran out And he kicked a football two miles in the air In the middle of the field at Hampton Park The captain says McGraw Would you kindly take this penalty kick Come on the fur when the toss So he took 50 paces backwards Shot off a the mark And the ball went sailing Now the standing landed in New York Oh, he's fat, ball crazy He's fat, ball man And the football it just dropped him Oh, the wee bit since he hadn't It would tag a dozen skillies His place to wash and scrub Since the job became a member Of that terrible football club If he doesn't keep away from football kicking at night time in his sleep, for he causeth Cherry Tully and other names a draw. Last night he kicked her out of the bed and he shouted, It's a goal! Oh, he's football crazy, he's football mad. And the football it has robbed him all the wee bit since he hadn't it would tag a dozen skivvies. His place to wash his scrub since the job became a member of oh, that terrible football club. So Jackson, in this time in which we were not doing a game club, even though we did a game club on accident, what have you been playing that isn't the game club game? Dirt 3. Fucking Dirt 3. Dirt 3. 
Tell me about Dirt 3. It's really good. It's the best racing game. Oh, I mean, I don't know if that's actually true, but... <laughs> the no. best racing game? I don't think that's true. Best racing game. No, I'm just saying that right now. Um, uh, so I had played Dirt 2 a little bit when I was um, a few years ago. Had it on 360. Uh, I am now playing Dirt 3 on the PC. Uh, I've hooked it up to like uh, the television, and it looks amazing. It's the first game I've done that for. Hey, everyone wasn't lying when they said that's beautiful and the way to play video games, if you can. Um, uh, but uh, what it is, is it's just the uh, most fun kind of feeling of driving on. Like my, The relationship between me and the ground I am driving on is the, the heart of dirt. It is about the dirt, obviously. The, the difference between driving on gravel and driving on road and driving on snow. Uh, so you need to turn off like assists to really understand what the game is. But once you do that and it becomes about, okay, I know how much to turn on this surface. I know how much to turn on this surface. I know how much to turn on this track. Um, it just it, uh, it just feels really good to drive. Uh, and that's pretty much all there is to it. Like There's a story mode to give you structure, but it's very light. It's very easy. It's mostly there to give you a reason to go around tracks and experience the feeling of driving. I wouldn't um, call that a story mode. Sure. Well, you know, I, you know what I mean. I just said that as because I meant... Okay. I said story mode as uh, campaign is a better word. I don't know. Mode. I would say career, mo- career mode, probably. Yes, career mode is the sports term for story mode until they started putting story stories in sports games. Now it's cinematic story mode and then career mode. <laughs> yep. Uh, so, so yeah, no, I, I like it a lot. It is. I would describe it as a driving game more than a racing game. That is an important distinction that we have yeah, discussed no. between ourselves. Dirt is 100% a driving game. Yes. Like, there's races in it, but it's a driving game. Mm-hmm. I feel like playing Dirt made me understand like intimately what you mean when you like say the difference between driving games and racing games. Because mm-hmm. uh, it yeah. is. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I played a little bit of it and then convinced you to buy it. Uh, and now you've played way more of it than me because I've been playing everything else. I've played but... like five hours. Uh, I keep playing it. It's a really good podcast game. It's a really good chill game. I recommend yeah, it. Yeah, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get back to it. I'm going to play some more because I, I like that game a lot. Uh, it's good. Uh, I never played a rally game before. Uh, I played like a smidgen of Dirt 2 again on my 360 and just uh, kind of bounced off of it. I don't know. It was a different time. I was really into Forza. Uh, and so I was like, Dirt 2, I'll try it. But I didn't really, it didn't really click with me. <laughs> I found I found its presentation really obnoxious as Wah. part of it. I mean, it's still yeah. obnoxious here. It, the menus are easier to just pass as things because they don't take up 3D space. But it still like goes from, hello, I'm British Rally Man to teach you how to go around the track right into, yeah, damn race went sick. Put it up on YouTube. Uh, <laughs> yep. I ignore no, all sure. of that. Fair enough. Uh, the game I played, uh, following up from our last podcast, I played Uncharted 3. Drake's deception? Yes. Which I guess the deception is that he keeps giving her a fake ring. I don't really know past that what the actual deception of Drake is I've in that got, game. I've, I, I know what it is. <laughs> okay. The deception is that it's a good video game. <laughs> so I'm here to tell you that that's a lie because Uncharted 3 is by far, and I haven't played 4 yet, by far my favorite Uncharted game. And I think it's genuinely pretty good most of the that's time. That's what I mean. I mean, you'd think it would be bad being the sequel to Uncharted 2. Oh, okay. You didn't... So, you wrote a piece a long time ago that we can link, even though I know you're going to be embarrassed that I'm going to oh, link it in this podcast. Oh, you fucking monster. 
People like it. People like it, even it is, if you don't. It is my most successful piece because it is just me yep. ranting about. And it, I, I stand by most of it, uh, even if it is peak video games. I just yell about how bad a character Nathan Drake is. I mean, and that, that doesn't change. But you, you told me when I was going into Uncharted Three that Uncharted Three is a bad video game, and I, I was like, I'm going to play it anyway. I don't like the second half of it because it just completely fails to narratively uh, engage with any of the set, like what it sets up. I don't know. I don't know necessarily if that's true. Nathan, so the the whole first half of Nathan of a uh, hair blah, blah, the whole first half of um Drake's Deception is about you, please just call it Uncharted Three. I, I cannot abide us calling it Drake's Deception. That's the worst. <laughs> Drake's Deception, popular video game, <laughs> loved by many. No, the the whole first half of Uncharted Three is uh about um. Nate being like called on the fact that he's just doing this for no reason because he wants to and he's like uh, it's uh, Elena telling him hey maybe think about this for a second maybe you're gonna get slowly killed one day maybe like don't uh, just keep doing what you're doing and then the game just ends with him uh, you know making out with Elena walking off to the sunset like that the conflict is never resolved it just he gets kidnapped by pirates and then it just becomes mostly about plot uh, as the setup is like thrown out the window and it's not doesn't there's no emotional climax to that game um even though there is the the groundwork for one that never comes uh is my i i really i actually disagree with this read quite a bit Mm -hmm. i also can't remember the game because i played it two years ago oh that's all right no Uh, so so for me like one uncharted 3 has like maybe my favorite set piece in all of uncharted or like maybe even including the last of us which is the moroccan rooftop chase uh, yeah, it's so at good. the very beginning of the game where you're young Drake because by disempowering you but giving you the things that you recognize as Uncharted I feel like it's the only one that actually achieves like the cinematic pacing because it isn't interrupted to stop for like a 20 minute firefight like everything else in that fucking game is Yep. and all the Uncharted things like apply my, my problems with 2 are still here in 3 the fighting is too much even though I feel like they never really give you bullets that are as enemy spongy as Uncharted 1 and 2 which is nice and it still has that thing where sometimes you go into a room and I just like, I don't see what I'm supposed to be climbing here. The handholds are not signaled easily enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is a problem where you, when, when you try to make the most beautiful game, sometimes it just becomes really hard to parse. Uh, when you're, when your definition of beautiful is let's pack it full of as much, as much detail as possible. And that's appreciated, like, when you're in, like, the, uh, like, the city towards the end in the desert and it's just, like, the most beautiful goddamn streets and vendors and stuff. But when I want to climb on a thing and can't tell what I'm supposed to be climbing, less appreciated. Mm-hmm. Uh, that said, to me, the story of that game is so much about, like, it re- like it doesn't actually commit, like, textually to it. But I feel like someone who wrote that game had a real sense that Drake is not a good guy and was okay putting that in the game as much as a game like that is going to lean that way. Um, and the story seems to be Drake has his surrogate father that he realizes that he cares about more than anybody else that he's ever been with, including like his girlfriend slash fiance or whatever, uh, to the point where he will basically like go on a suicide mission and sacrifice everybody to get his fake dad back when his fake dad is stolen by his fake, not mom, fake evil stepmother. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me that like, that's, there's a scene in toward like basically like two thirds of the way through the game where he, uh, after all the boat and water stuff where he comes to Elena's apartment, like Sully's been kidnapped and Elena's already like dealing with shit. It's like, I'm going to organize a plane to go get Sully myself. If no one else will do it because Elena's actually probably the best uncharted character. It's true. Uh, 
I, I mean, I'm fond of Cutter, but Elena's probably actually the best. Cutter, <laughs> Elena doesn't break her leg and have to fuck off. Yeah, I, he, he had to go be in The Hobbit. <laughs> he did have to do that. Such a better choice of things to do, be in The Hobbit. It's a toss-up. <laughs> um, and Drake just comes in and is like, no, I'll go and I'll do this. And she's like, no, you need to, like, sleep and, like, take care of yourself. Like, you're you're basically dead. Please not, don't do this. And he apologizes and, like, falls asleep on her lap and is like, no, I have to do this regardless. And then, like, leaves her in the middle of a airfield full of bad guys to go save his dad. And that's the stuff I like the most. Mm-hmm. In a world in which, like, every game is a dad game now, I like the game that's, like, about a son needing to get his father and admitting and his father admitting, hey, I'm actually like a shit dad, but I recognize that we're the only people here. Mm-hmm. It's like a kind of like a story about getting your parents back is not a, really a game that stories tell or the games tell very often. Mm-hmm. It's so often like, oh, you got to be the parent. You got to be the protector. And it's like s- revealing Nate as still kind of a scared little child who needs his shitty Hawaiian shirt wearing cigar chomping dad to be around all the time to feel better <laughs> is like really good. Like it, it feels accurate to who that character is. It it does. Uh, I don't, I mean, I don't remember thinking that they got a payoff at the end. Like, I just felt like it was uh, like, I mean, maybe he doesn't actually need to realize it. Maybe I was like hoping that that game would lead to a, uh, a moment when Nate goes, Oh fuck, I have made many mistakes along the way, but because that, that, that never comes. Uh, no, I that'd sh- be better. I assume that comes it, in four in some way. Um, I hope so. I mean, it like everything I've seen about four makes it seem like a retread of uh, three's uh, themes, except about his brother rather than Sully. Um, but in terms of like the uh, conf- conflict between I'm an adventurer and I have people in my life, uh, you know, uh, I know a bit about the big moment in uh, four. So uh, okay. it's all that kind of stuff. I'll play it yeah. one day, but not now because it's very expensive. Uh, I'm going to get a borrow, borrow copy, thankfully, from front of the show, Rhea Dauhar, and uh, play it soon. So by the time we record another one of these, I might have played Uncharted 4. Nice. I'm going to borrow a copy uh, from it's gonna, uh, from a thief's, a thief's friend. Uh, no, 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 <laughs> no. <laughs> yes. So Nathan. I feel like calling Nathan Drake a thief is really weird. He doesn't do any thieving. He never does any thieving. Like, like it, he tries in the very beginning of the Moroccan stuff in three, but he like I guess he's a thief in the way that like all adventure archaeologists are thieves. Like I get that, but like he's not actually a thief. He doesn't steal like anything from anybody in that game in the course of those games. Uh, like there's an implication that he's like doing general thievery between these, but we never see it and we never feel it, and that's now never how Nate is defined to us. He yeah. is an adventurer the, the, first and foremost. The very beginning of three intimates that maybe Cutter and Chloe and Sully and you are part of like a weird little like thief squad. And that would have been amazing if they'd actually followed that path a little further, but they don't. The thing that we were talking about with that scene is that it like it is feels like the Fast and Furious of Uncharted where like all you your gang gets together and you're all there having fun. Um but they never do like the uh barbecue scene, which is key to that actually working. Yeah. Like the reason people like Fast and Furious is not because of the cars and the action. That's nice. It's actually the part where everybody hangs out on Sunday and cooks at the barbecue. Yeah, that like, is, That's why people care. That is the most important scene in all of Fast and Furious. And yep. you can't just have the hear of people bantering each other without that for it and expect it to land. Uh, even though I still like, I, I like Chloe and Cutter. They're very cool. I wish they were in uh, four. But um, 
because they they deserve to show up again. They're cool. They're clearly yep. like competent and doing a stuff that Nate isn't. Because Nate's in this game more than any, just in his own world, going like, ah, like that. He has a motivation. It's a bad motivation, but unlike two, there's a reason for him to keep making the decisions. Let's be clear. Chloe probably deserves to be in four more than Cutter does. Oh sure, but I like Cutter more. <laughs> Like, Chloe is actually probably almost as important a character in the Uncharted, like, cast as Elena. Sure, but and I would be worried if they brought Chloe back, they would bring back the tr- love triangle, because that sucks. They Co- shouldn't do that. Like, what if they just bring back Chloe and she's just, like, their cool friend who, like, keeps doing the... Like, she's off being Lara Croft while Nate's here, like, doing taxes. Yeah, like, that's what they should well, have done. Yeah, because what Chloe actually works as, uh, outside of the love triangle, is Nathan Drake, if he was competent and knew what he wanted. Yeah. Uh... And just being cool and getting stuff done. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'll report back next uh, next month. Yep. The Uncharted, the Uncharted chat. Regularly uh, yeah. scheduled. And then we'll be out of Uncharted. We will have charted the whole thing. Yep. It will be entirely charted. Yep. Chart. <laughs> That's <laughs> the end of that segment. <laughs> what the fuck was that? <laughs> I just said chart. I don't know. What do you want? All right. continued with the game that was going to be our game club before we decided to flush the podcast yes we did how does this happen because we're always going to play there there unless like my moving stuff disrupts me i guarantee you every month we will have played a little at least a little bit of the same game no that's probably true it's unfortunate but true we're just kind of deformalizing it so it makes having guests a lot easier that's true but uh we played the epic the classic, the amazing, the seminal Mass Effect Bioware Zero. RPG, Star Wars, <laughs> Knights of the Old Republic, which, yes, I guess you might as well call Mass Effect Zero, but we'll get into that. Yep. This is a game, for the record, that came out in 2003 uh, on Xbox and Windows. I, I guess it's on mobile, too, now? <laughs> <What> was- Windows? <laughs> Windows. Windows. Uh, it- uh, I didn't realize that it was just on win- like on mobile, which I feel like is not the way to play this game but you could probably i guess it's old enough that you just like just port that shit yep uh i highly recommend playing this on a a computer where you can cheat the fuck out of it because that's what we did but anyway knights of republic is a star wars game that takes place four thousand years before the star wars that you knew and recognized in which the galaxy far far away has actually not changed that much in four millennia but instead is the same amount of bullshit intrigue and force nonsense but with Uh, marginally less bacta uh there's no back no to back in to. Fact, but no back to in facto uh, <laughs> uh that's why in star wars uh, we call the original trilogy back to the future no we don't we don't do that 
Oh, if if those <laughs> if the prequels had been popular and they were putting out the original trilogy again, I 100% feel like someone would have made that joke at some point. <laughs> but we don't live in that world, I can, thankfully. I can Twitter search the phrase I know. Like, it's got to be, someone's done it, and I'll feel very ashamed. Okay. Go ahead. Go okay. ahead. Oh, you just want me to get ashamed of my words yeah, on no, these lads live. <laughs> Yeah, be ashamed that, of your words Back to the future. Oh, just so many. So many. So many. Uh, it's not so many. It's like a... Oh, this, they're, they're bad. These are bad. These are bad. These are all bad. This is a very common joke. Can, can you can you just pitch me one of them? Um, I hear they're making a movie with a healing tank that's a time machine. Back to the future. Oh, no. Oh, no. They're like street jokes. This is the worst. While submerged in the medical tank, Luke travels to the time of the Clone Wars and accidentally seduces his mum. Back to the future. Oh, no. Oh, no. No. One, Padme Amidala would never fall for a dweeb like Luke Skywalker. No, instead she fell for a dweeb like Anakin. Yeah, <laughs> but he's like a murderous dweeb. Like, he's genocided, like, people and children. He genocided a child. <laughs> what did Anakin do? He genocided a child. <laughs> no. He was supposed to be the chosen one. It's true. So, uh, spoilers if you're Destiny and still listening to this podcast, but in Knights of the Republic, <laughs> you play the chosen one. She said she wasn't going to listen to this segment until she'd played the game. Okay. Uh, and she's the only person on Earth who doesn't know the twist of Knights of the Republic, I feel like. Unfathomable uh, to me, but beautiful. <laughs> beautiful. In, in Knights of the Republic, you play the chosen one, uh, player character name here, who is thrust into the situation in which a Sith Lord named Dark Malik, Darth Dark Malik, Darth Malik, uh, is running a Sith fleet trying to attack the Old Republic. Uh, he had a master, Darth Revan, who the good guys killed at the end of the game. But twist, in actuality, you are Darth Revan, and you've been mind-wiped by the Jedi Order and given a new chance to be the hero that everybody needs. Because apparently, while the Jedi can mind-wipe the most powerful Sith in the galaxy, there's only like six of them on a planet where they can't actually do anything. It's strange. They're Dantooine, Jackson. They're on Dantooine. I know. Unfortunately, uh, what, what, what about Dantooine? <laughs> yes, Dantooine is far too remote to make an effective demonstration <laughs> uh, of the Jedi power. Spoilers, the Sith. spoilers for Kotor that, but spoilers for this segment. It's mostly going to be really bad Star Wars quotes thrown back at each other for the entire duration of the segment. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking. About. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. That's not true. <laughs> That's, That's impossible. impossible. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> Anyway, what are we going to do? <laughs> <laughs> they have to be specific enough that anyone can recognize them. No, I just wanted one that wasn't actually a quote, but that you know would know. Did you quote the younglings? <laughs> yes. Master Skywalker. What are Master we going Skywalker, to do? what are we going to do? Please don't genocide me. <laughs> well, too bad, skid. You get genocided in a jump cut. <laughs> This is an entire galaxy bowing their heads in remembrance of the jump cut genocide. <laughs> uh, please go to Wikipedia and edit Order 66, a.k.a. the jump cut genocide. A more elegant weapon for a more civilized time. Um, 
you don't have to see anybody you kill. You just cut to the next scene and they're already dead. It's amazing. Oh, <laughs> oh great. Revenge of the Sith is a PG-13 film marketed at children. It has toys. I saw a security hologram of Anakin killing younglings. The hero murders all those kids dressed in Halloween costumes and playing that dumb Jedi training toy you could actually buy in a store. It is amazing. The hero murdered all I those can't kids. Imagine, and then, I can't imagine being like eight and watching that movie and just being traumatized for life. The hero murdered all those kids and then they proceeded to make a TV show for six years about how cool that guy was. <laughs> to be fair, they do a good job at making him cool, but also like you, you, it does better at justifying how he became the person who murders a classroom full of children. It, no, it does better at justifying how he becomes the villain of like a pulp serial. The actual act oh, of murdering, fair. like it ignores the fact of the actual textual things that happen in Revenge of the Sith because we can't ever talk about them because he jump cut <laughs> genocides a row of children. <laughs> jump cut genocides my favorite friend at the table NPC. <laughs> Uh, sadly uh this is i like 30 percent of our skype calls <laughs> this, this is to be thing. fair to be fair Knights of the republic contains no less than two jump cut genocides of entire planet populations <laughs> so uh yep yeah, no one's a jump cut genocide and one's just uh i did it i 30, guess one's a montage one's a i did it 30 minutes ago genocide yeah <laughs> that's true i forgot about that but uh, I guess it's not really a genocide because it was just six Jedi in a room on Dantooine. Uh, they're on Dantooine. Don't. This is how we got here, so you can stop. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the Our Republic. Uh, the thing that was like jumped out to me upon immediately playing it was how it was a hundred percent exactly just Mass Effect. So can you reduce the plot of both of these games to the point where you cannot tell which one's which? Okay. Uh... I mean, the Mass Effect doesn't have the twist, so no. Yeah, but give me the broad strokes of what is the same. So, uh, you play a uh, newly ordained uh, re- like uh, officer of a high-ranking power in a republic to go and investigate a rogue force who is trying to reclaim uh, power from a... A civilization that existed long before yours and use a weapon of them to assert the galactic control. Uh, also, you get a team full of weird aliens. <laughs> also, it, it plays just like Mass Effect. <laughs> exactly. There's uh, yep. wacky aliens. Uh, all the aliens are aliens in Mass Effect. There's fake Kaiden, voiced by real Kaiden. Uh, is Carthmarth is, is actually voiced by real Kaiden? Did you just call him Carthmarth? <laughs> yes. <laughs> He's he uh he's totally he's the worst he's the worst variant of Marth Karth Marth. Hang on, did you did, you were calling him Fake Kaiden, not realizing he's totally actually voiced by Kaiden? So I call him Fake Kaiden because every Bioware game gives you like a bland dude who's like kind of nice but kind of boring as like your first companion. He is a hundred percent. I called him Ka- Ka- like actually Kaiden's voice actor. I didn't realize it was actually Kaiden. Uh, no, that is the worst. I, as listeners of this podcast will remember, I've played through Mass Effect four times. I remember what Kaiden sounds like. Oh, that's a callback to just like half an hour. That's ago. what I mean. That's really good. Yeah, I know. That's like it's structured. Yeah, <laughs> almost technically. We're, whereas no one's ever going to know why I keep saying behind the sausage. <laughs> that's true. No one. Anyway, that's the plot of this game. And that was surprising because uh, all the things that Mass Effect does well, 
that I always feel like uh, it lost in future uh, entries and like like a potential that didn't quite execute on are done way better here. So this, this game kind of invalidates Mass Effect to me. Not entirely. I will play through Mass Effect again, uh, the trilogy, one day and like have a look at it. But uh, I feel like all the things that I wanted more from Mass Effect were done more in this game. It's more talking, more exploring planets, uh, more like interesting subplots, uh, more just trying to do things with theme. Uh, and trying to be deliberate in your construction of worlds, uh, and so I really, I really liked Kotor. I really, I thought it was a good time. Uh, we are probably on record in this podcast, but definitely we've said it to each other that Mass Effect is like the perfect Star Trek game for like four hours, and then just becomes bad Star Wars. Little did we know that that's only because it is a rehash of a game in which they made good Star Wars. <laughs> That kind of sometimes veers into Star Trek territory. There is an entire Klingon episode of Next Generation in this game. Uh, yeah, 100%. <laughs> Holy shit, there is. <laughs> oh my god. Because apparently nobody knows how to uh, write Wookiees, so they just write Klingons. <laughs> so, uh, we're just kind of probably going to talk generally about this, because the game has like a pretty free-flowing structure outside of like the twist or whatever. Um, but... If you have played KOTOR and are listening to this and when you played it didn't know the twist, please, for the love of God, write into us or tweet at us because I really want to know how this game played to someone who didn't know because the one thing I knew about this game more than anything else, like, well, I knew it was 4,000 years before and then I knew that you played Darth Revan. That's it. I didn't know who Darth Revan was, but I knew you were him. You're an old Darth guy. (laughs) Yep. Uh, And so it makes... It makes my understanding of what the game is, like, really hard to explain because the game seems to tip its hand, like, in hour one and then continue to hint at it, like, in the most oblivious way and then act like it's a big reveal in hour 15. And I don't understand how anyone, like, was surprised by this twist. One of the first dialogue things you get is, crazy the power of the force can even wipe someone's mind and make them have a completely different identity uh also you have just dreamed about a fight with darth revan that you weren't present at weird that let's go save this planet (laughs) uh so yeah that stuff's really weird and uh it's it's strange because for a game that like hinges upon a big twist i actually feel like that twist is almost the weakest part of the video game. i have lots of complaints about it but we will get to that uh we'll talk about some of the earlier stuff first Okay, so yeah, you hang out on the fake Citadel, and you get your, your almost your entire party together in the first four hours of this game, yep. uh, and then that whole planet gets jump cut genocided. Yep. And then you get to go to all the other. Oh no! Then you get to go to Dantooine. They're on Dantooine, mm-hmm. and you get an effective demonstration of Jedi oh, powers I... as you become a Jedi. <laughs> you can't help yourself. You're like fucking no, Mozart I really can't. from Amadeus, but about <laughs> Star Wars quotes. <laughs> <laughs> um, that is fucking you it's that scene where he's looking at the notes and he's like there's just the right amount of notes you can't have it any other way i can't bear to have this cadence uncompleted but it's about star wars quotes and that's who you are <laughs> you know. no no this fake cadence uncompleted he's not in this game <laughs> jesus <laughs> jesus <laughs> son of a bitch (laughs) so you get your Jedi powers and then you're off to the galaxy uh, in which the galaxy is represented by four planets, five if you play the weird expansion planet that you probably shouldn't go to because it's boring Uh, 
and you do those in any order. Uh, coincidentally, we did them in the exact same order. How did that happen, Jackson? We both looked at guides. When I needed to check something, I went to like an IGN guide that's actually really poorly written. It's an but awful it guide. Have that order. It's such an awful guide. Uh, I, I knew to go to Carbon last. Uh, I need to go to Tatooine first to get HK, and yeah. I just—I think I just chose the order of uh, cash. That guy literally, that guy literally doesn't have like the good side solutions for like some of the quests. I went like, looking it, for a good side solution and it wasn't there, and I was like, "Huh, huh, okay." There, there was a couple things I don't even remember which ones they were that I deviated from the guy. I'm like, "No, I'm not going to do it this way. This way sucks. This is stupid. Why would I do this?" The guide I was uh, reading. Like became really editorial at points and was like, man, fuck Karth, fuck Bastila, all these whiny bitches. You're going to be dark side and be evil because I know you are. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, chill, whoa. whoa. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Have I gone too far? <laughs> whoa. <laughs> whoa. That one's for all your deep cut fans. <laughs> That's a deep cut. You know what? If you know what that is, you get a cookie. You get a cookie. Yep. You get an energy drink. Uh, I mean, that guy was probably written in 2003, so I get it, I guess. Mm-hmm. Video games were different then. Uh, also, Karth does suck. <laughs> Karth does suck. Uh, and Bastila sucks, but on purpose, mm-hmm. so that's fine. Karth sucks on purpose. Does he? More than any other Kaiden sucks on purpose. Uh, that's fair. Uh, that's fair. But uh, So, of the planets, I think my favorite would be Corbin. Um, no, my, no, not Corbin. What's the other one? Uh, Manan, because that's yeah. so. Th- there's uh, Tatooine, which is uh, some just uh, uh, your average Tatooine bounty hunter thing. Uh, to be fair, so the the best thing about you want to talk about jump cut genocides, by the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other in universe in the actual movies jump cut genocide is Anakin murdering all the sand people. This game in like throw a quest that you can easily miss if you don't get the murder droid and bring him with you gives you more background to what the sand people are like than six, seven Star Wars movies. That's true. Literally all I know, I watch those movies and I know one thing about them and it's the way that they walk in a line. Oh yeah. They always (laughs) walk single file. Why would they do that, Jackson? I can just like like say a situation and you won't be able to help yourself from saying the quote back at me <laughs> no it's this is this is my gift my curse <laughs> i'm doth Revan. <laughs> uh yeah no it's uh, it, it fills out the star wars universe in uh really sometimes really cool ways sometimes really strange ways when something hasn't changed in four thousand years <laughs> Yeah, Tatooine still sucks. Uh, they're still doing fake pod racing, except the ships are actually better than pod racers because they look way more safe. They look like someone like put a car around a pod racer and was like, this is better. They look like what pod racing would be in 30 years, not yeah. what it would be 4,000 years before. Like, after they realize that thousands of people die pod racing galactically every year and they like make safety rules, that's what the pod racers would look like. Yeah, it's called swoop racing. Um, yeah. Uh, the other planets are there's um, uh, Kashik as they call it, which is the Wookiee episode, which is the Klingon episode. Uh, it has three Y's. It's Kashik. I don't know how everyone says Kashik. Like they're hello, Ugh. I'm Bastila, and this is we are going to land on Kashik now. It's the worst. Uh, 
and then there's Minan, which is the most interesting of the planets, but uh, it has uh, it the it falls the most flat because it just because it has the most ambition uh, in that it's a planet in which the Republic and the Sith are like both on, but the planet itself is neutral, and it looks into what that is like. Uh, that's the most fake Star Trek this game actually gets, even though there's a Klingon episode in it. Um, the Klingon episode being the Wookiees, in which you become the Arbiter of Succession, and you get, let me check my notes, Gowron? <laughs> <laughs> it says Gowron here. Uh, yeah, Gowron's on a Wookiee name. Uh, to challenge the guy to become new Wookiee leader. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it is it is just the Klingons, and I feel like it makes me... F- it It's weird, because, like... Your your a, your Klingon is your your Klingon your Wookiee is even like uh disowned by most of the Wookies for uh trying to uh, go against the culture in very specific ways. So it did two things. One, it made me like the next gen specifically Klingon episodes less by seeing <laughs> what it's like when it's not handled through the lens of Star Trek having good writers. When it's just the same thing but plumped into something else. Yeah. yeah. Uh and two, how awful is the way that Star Wars treats Wookiees, like this weird infantile, like, this is my pet, but it's also a person who's, like, indebted to me because of their culture. But that's okay, because it's their culture. Unlike the droids, which we enslave, but we don't talk about. They're people, too, but we don't pretend, we pretend they aren't. This is a really weird bit. So the, that whole quest is about, um, the, the, there's one corporation in all of Star Wars in this game, uh, who whenever you go somewhere, like, hi, we're the corporation. Do we have other corporations? No, it's just us. And they are trying. They are like there's a they have a deal with the current leader of the Wookies, uh, who has like banished everyone who disagreed with him to sell a bunch of Wookies into slavery, and that's how they make their money. The Wookies do, and and only you can save this through yes. not being a Wookie and by using your best of the Wookies, but disgraced by the Wookies, Wookie to disrupt the politics of the Wookie <laughs> the, people. The game argues in this quest that the only way to like save the Wookies is uh, to like have this outsider come in and fix it because they're too blinded by their own culture and you must save them. It's like peak Star Wars grossness. Uh, yep. Uh, which I guess is very honest because there's stuff like that all around Star Wars. I mean, the Jedi exist to be fucking yep. paternalistic in- interventionalists. Like they're the worst, mm-hmm. except for except for when it doesn't suit them. In which case, they must wash their hands and be above it. Only a Sith deals in absolutes. And and so so that quest is interesting, but it's kind of like so, so it does the Bioware thing of every area has its own little story. Uh, there was a court case that was cool. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, uh, so let's let's talk about Korriban. Korriban, that's the name of that place, right? First, Manan, or Korriban, or the other place first. I want to I want to talk about Korriban. You want to talk about Korriban? Uh, well, before we get to Manan, because Manan's actually like I th- I think the best part of the game. Yes. So Korriban is a Sith planet, which uh, neither me and Jackson went to before the game had revealed the twist. So I don't know how this reads if you not seen the twist and we're also playing light side characters and i feel like the game barely supports being a light side character in this place but it's a sith academy that has been established by darth revan and you basically go around and like get to join the school in like a ludicrous dragon quest 9 slash harry potter sequence where you're getting recruited and then you have to like kowtow to the headmaster of the school by murdering your other prospective students it's hilarious and then it's like the deep dive on what the sith are but reveals the sith as the single worst like law thing ever like clearly made up so the actual 
the actual hilarious thing it is is it's mirror universe star trek where it's like all of the structures of the world you recognize but everyone is cartoonishly evil and they're constantly betraying and murdering each other and you're like if this was an actual society they would never have progressed to the point to have these structures yeah, so, so the sith are like they, they are incredibly dogmatic they're in they're an incredibly specific and dogmatic organization that have rules and they have like traditions and they must be followed but whatever you break one their only response is aha how like a sith to bend the rules and i'm like what like like so you have to get into the school and the way to get into the school is to like uh do this quest and then uh like do the thing for this person who will get you this ring and that's how you are got how you make it in or you can literally just punch up a sith take his ring and go hey i punched that sith up i'm in now and they'll go haha i like your initiative welcome to the school (laughs) you can't have a functional school in which the murder of other students is not only like accepted but encouraged not even encouraged like like seen as more better than actually following the very strict rules that you claim are so important it's everything about the sith was clearly like just george lucas wrote this down like yes these are evil so this is what evil people do but doesn't understand how to make a make law in any way and it's kind of hilarious those sith that are like just doing excavation like carefully brushing off those sith ruins are clearly the biggest disappointments in the school because they're not murdering anybody they're not even being murdered they don't even matter enough to be murdered (laughs) yeah they just he's just that he's like oh, i wanna i wanna get into this tomb but i guess i can't because i can't actually fight anyone oh and you go fight everything goes oh well done you got into the tomb that's nice well, bye then <laughs> that's it that's all he does yep uh and so like it's interesting because you basically have to play evil to get through this part of the game as far as i could tell uh and that's really like the way we're doing it where we didn't really care is fine but if you're playing as a good character it's weird because it sets up a dichotomy in which the game forces you to do things that would go against your sense of self and it does this other times too but it and it doesn't actually pay that off as being intentional because the game like broader story-wise uh has this weird tension that it never quite resolves where it recognizes that there there's something true in what the Sith are about, and there's something like really bad and faulty with the way that the Jedi are, but it never actually commits to that because it's too beholden to the actual like ironclad lore of Star Wars, which is the Jedi are good and the Sith are bad, and that's the way it is. And to be a character that started out as a you were like the best of the Jedi, and then you turned evil through Deus Ex Machina, like literally, uh, and and then got the chance to be good again because the Jedi mind wiped you because that's ethical. Uh, it never actually plays in the great area that it sets up. It's like the perfect place to examine exactly where Star Wars universe has its giant gaps and falls down with its bad ethics. But it, it never commits to that and just ends up having the good bad slider that all RPGs have. And I guess like games like this are part of the reason that all games have the good bad slider. This is but. The- this is the big one that popularized it, I feel yeah, like. Yeah, exactly. And But the problem is, like, that doesn't actually represent... Like, that represents Star Wars broadly, but it doesn't represent what this Star Wars RPG is about. Like, a game that didn't have the twist where you were Revan and you were just up-and-coming Jedi who has to fight the Sith, this stuff would make way more sense than the game that's predicated around these deep... Deep for Star Wars politics <laughs> and the twist of, like, personal identity. Uh, yeah, and... By knowing, like, by knowing the twist and then seeing the way that the the systems were all coming up, I assumed that the moment the reveal happened would be uh, the moment in which all of 
like like the good and bad system is suddenly thrown into question by all the characters because like all the characters are all uh you can't be the calf is all you can't be evil uh i have trust issues like in, like ridiculously uh so, and he projects to you as like i'm gonna trust you you are a good person now that is important to me that is something that matters and suddenly th- like all of that identity is thrown to question when you're you uh, are revealed as revan and you think okay this is the, t- the time that this has um uh you know repercussions and like an impact to the characters around me and it just doesn't it just it just, just doesn't unfortunately they just don't do that uh and I was, that's what I was expecting. And it just never happens. And I was really, really disappointed by that. But I feel like that was also a, res- um, a result of me not, uh, of me knowing the twist. Because I assume if you knew, if you didn't know, then the, like the twist itself would be enough. Whereas if you do know, then you're like building it up and then it doesn't uh, live up to what you thought was in your head. Sure. But like, if you look at a Bioware game like Dragon Age, like that game has choices that you can make and not even like big twists, but like literal just choices you can make where if you do the, this thing, this character will up and leave because they don't agree yeah, with it. It's hilarious that this game ends with like me, Bastila, Karth, and just this evil dude, Bounty Hunter that I picked up and never talked to once again, just hanging out being like, yeah. hooray, you saved the day. You're- so like this game doesn't even present a scenario where Karth confronts you and says, hey, you're you were Darth Revan. I we need to at least talk about this. Like I don't even need to say that he needs to leave the party. Though I feel like it would make sense to have an option for him to just say, "No, fuck it, you're evil. I'm gone." I mean, you. But it doesn't. It doesn't even have the conversation about what that means to him and your relationship. It, it, with it does. Like you have to talk to him to activate that conversation. Uh, sure, but it's not like it's not the actual conversation that that storyline's building up no, to. No, 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 yeah, it's just he goes like, "Oh, well, that happened before, so that doesn't mean that this is, you know, that that means that that's not you. I, I have to accept this." Like, it's just the most we had to write this to justify why Karth can still be your party member. Uh, it doesn't like the game is building up to um, something that never happens in his arc, and it's really a shame because I think that that uh, for that would be interesting, and I, and the morality of what identity means in Kotor isn't really thought out. I don't know. Like, are you culpable for Revan's things? The game, Revan's uh, acts. The game doesn't really know. Then the game also like sidesteps a lot of specifics about Revan's acts as well. Uh, to uh, allow like Karth's reasoning for being fine with you is, oh well, uh, Malik is the one who's bad at the moment and hurt me, so you're fine. But you clearly jump cut genocided a bunch of people before. Like that, you're a Sith Lord. You did it. But also, it never actually explains. Like, it doesn't adequately explain why Revan went from, oh, this is like an aspirational Jedi who was maybe a little too ambitious to suddenly you're going to be the evil master. Like, it literally says, oh, you went away and when you came back, you were changed. And the only answer is you found a dark side artifact that maybe pushed you there. But that's not like, that's not story satisfying. That's video game fucking doohickey satisfying. Yeah, there is never a like catharsis emotional emotional climax of this is why the jedi became evil because like malak and revan turning is what is the event that changed the like shape of the galaxy because that was what raised the sith order and that was what began the war and uh, began occupation on a bunch of planets and that event needed a reason and the game just never it just never happened uh the game feels strangely unfinished uh which yeah in, in a lot of ways where like there's a quest very near the end of the game where you literally can't say you like there's no actual like side that doesn't lead with you genociding a whole city of people mm-hmm. like you have to pick one of them to die and maybe it's unintentional uh but it doesn't feel like it would be in the sense of the game and also like 
the big trial quest, which is maybe like the most interesting like single quest of the game uh, on Manon, like has a bunch of weird dead ends and like non-resolutions that just seem like someone forgot to write the rest of the dialogue. Uh, so I so let's talk about the trial then, uh, which is it's actually just a loyalty quest in the game, but I think it is one of the most important uh, like single bits to lean on to identify the problems with and the successes of the game. Uh, it's it's a nice uh, snapshot of what I think is important and interesting and uh, critical in Microcosm. Uh, you land on Manan, you run into this dude who's like, he's a hero of the Republic and he is on trial for murdering this lady uh, and the Sith are like, he's guilty, we've made sure of it. And you have to be like, okay, he was probably framed by the Sith. Let's find out what was really happening here. And I, I was I was handing off to you for more. I thought I was talking oh, to I was talking too much. So yes, no, no, that's fine. Uh, and so yeah, you go investigate uh, and you interview people, and it's like, oh yeah, it's weird because like she wasn't just a lady; she was like a Sith Inquisitor or something, right? Uh, yes, she was a like Sith. Uh, he he was trying to turn her to the Republic side, but she. So yeah, yeah, she was working for the Sith, and he and maybe he was trying to turn her. They were meeting illicitly, and. There are people who express that, oh, maybe one of them is a spy or both of them are spies. But then there's also the question when he questions why for him, it's like, oh, they're actually like seeing each other. That it's a different thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that calls into his loyalty. Like, oh, was he like actually a spy for the like the Sith that was working with the Republic? Or was she actually going to be turned because of this? And was the fallout of this relationship because they're on opposing sides like the reason that the murder happened or did the sith find out that she was seeing a republic guy and murder her like there's a lot of avenues but most of them end up getting closed off because if you actually do your due diligence and investigating in the republic embassy you find a tape that shows him murdering her Mm -hmm. and it the game like never explicitly states that this is like a falsified tape or this is like a doctor tape like this is the tape it does um, does it? Okay. Where? So Where does you, it do you, that? Because I didn't see I know that. Because you, you never... Uh, so what you have to do is you have to get find the tape and you have to go to uh, hit him specifically in the cells and you go, hey, I got this tape. What the fuck? And then he gives you the truth, which is that he killed her um, and he had that the Republic hide the tape uh, so that... Um, the, he had a justification for it. I can't remember specifically. I think it was because he found out that she was like a double spy and trying to, like he was never going to be able to turn him and he was being set up. So he killed her. Um, and then the choice you have to make is, do you uh, argue for him to go free so he doesn't get murdered for this? Or do you, uh, like if you say, hey, he killed her, even though it was for those reasons, he gets the death sentence regardless. Uh, and if you argue against him, he you can he can, you can get him off. And there's no satisfying resolution to that, but it almost feels deliberate. But it's it's clearly not quite. It's an interesting experiment, but it doesn't quite land. So please explain your trial experience, because the way that you described how <laughs> your version of the trial went, because I never I found the tape and thought it was like weird, but like I didn't want to present it to him because I. I felt like maybe it was like false evidence, but I didn't know. And so I, I ended up like just defending him and getting him off in the trial. And I never really brought up the tape stuff. So, so. hilariously. So I'm like, I went to him. I said, Hey, I have the tape. This is you murdering this girl. What happened? And he goes, I did it. Uh, I, but I'd had reasons. Uh, you have, you still have to get me off because I, um, like there, there were reasons for it. And all that's going to happen 
if I am convicted, is it's going to be a big political loss for the Republic, and that will cause a lot more like bad things in the world than this individual act. And you try to talk to him, you go, hey, no, you have to like take responsibility for your actions you can't hide behind your politics and start murdering people and he goes no i I will i will not give a guilty verdict for me i will only i will only allow myself to have an innocent verdict you're my lawyer you have to work for me you have to go defend me and so you go into court and the dialogue comes up and you have options you have one option which is this client is guilty he has uh i have this tape and then you hand the tape to the judges and they find him guilty and they uh, kill him the other uh, option is this client is guilty, but you don't hand them the tape, and then they, it gets into an argument for about five lines of you going, "This is this client is guilty," and him going, "I am not guilty. I would never be murdering." And then the judges are like, "Is this true? You're his lawyer. Why are you saying he's guilty?" And you say, "I know he did this," and he's like, "I did not do this." And they go, "Is this true again?" And then you can say. Uh, either present them the tape or you can say no it's not true and if you do that it just goes back to the default dialogue and you can pretend you can continue with the case and defend against him and i can did and then won the case and he was set free that's so fucking weird it was the jankiest and bullshit the game has all sorts of weird like conversation tree dead ends where it feels like they're meant they're meant to be like a fill-in pass that maybe didn't like actually add a lot of new resolutions but at least like closed off some of the avenues <laughs> And it just never got it. Yeah, and there was like parts of that quest that I feel needed um, moments. Like that is implied or explicitly stated that she has a master who is actually the person who is uh, influencing all of the Sith decisions. But you never find him. You never talk to him. You never know anyone who's actually involved with him. He's just hinted at. Uh, it is there are fringes that should have been that like make that quest feel incomplete. And this is representative of a lot of things, which I assume is just. Uh, we've been making RPGs for a while. Now we're making 3D games. Oh God! Yeah, and there's like a lot of that, not just in the parts where the dialogue ends up feeling sparse, especially later in the game. Like the first planet is clearly the planet that got the most work, and is probably where like demos and stuff happened because that one's tight uh, and feels almost like an entirely different game than the rest of the game yeah. in a lot of ways. Uh, but also because it's and this is also true, especially in the other planets, because it's a 3D game in that era, a lot of the space just feel like really big and empty, but also like weirdly claustrophobic in how simply rendered they are. <laughs> like it just ends up feeling like you're going through, this is supposed to be a big field, but actually it feels like a weird little dungeon. Uh, and that's a strange artifact, I think mostly of this era more than anything. Yeah, sure. But it is striking when so much of the game reminds me of later Bioware titles, but it ends up feeling like a weird, like almost like a fan attempt to make something that looked like a Bioware game. That makes sense. Uh, and like the spaces that are like, oh, this is a big planet end up feeling like, oh, this was like a dungeon in Dragon Age that I just went through in like 30 minutes. Mm -hmm. uh, except for like the big, like the two big cities, which are clearly the set pieces that got all the effort and attention. Uh, well, I think the thing that I said when I was going through is it feels like uh, doing direct like directly translating the way you would design a representative uh isometric rpg world to a 3d um environment and suddenly without it being abstracted in that uh and just being the thing that you're in everything feels tiny uh mass effect itself does way better and like uh those other games i haven't played dragon age but i assume it does similarly i uh, do a lot better at having small spaces but making them feel like one part of a much bigger world uh, yeah for sure and like that, that is a thing that they learned to do as they went on mm -hmm. 
uh, see it. Uh, all of this doesn't really matter, though, because at the end of the day, you are just going to go fight the bad guy uh, and fight through waves and waves of people to stop his super weapon from uh, winning the war. And uh, it just turns into a video game. And the last, like, hour of this game is super goddamn disappointing. Uh, yep. Hilariously, uh, about all of Star Wars is because the Death Star exists and is the iconic Star Wars thing, every other Star Wars thing has to have a fake Death Star. But what that means is that literally 4,000 years ago, which was also made by an ancient civilization, is a weapon as powerful as about 25 Death Stars. <laughs> uh, yep. Yeah, like it doesn't destroy planets, but it pumps out entire star fleets like with zero expenditure of material. And they're just casually destroying, uh, like basically raising planets to the ground with uh, just regular ships just throughout this game. Just, just n- nothing, nothing. 4,000 years ago, who gives a fuck? Star Wars. Yeah, all those planets can rebuild by the time. Like, Dantooine might be a remote location, but they rebuilt it by the time real Star Wars came around. Yeah, it took them a while to get the materials. Now. But they did. It probably sucks, though. I mean, it sucks 4,000 years ago, but I bet Dantooine sucks in the present-day Star Wars also. Uh, I've never been. No, because it's not real. Yep. Look, oh, so it needs it needs mentioning, at the very least, because the first Star Wars movie and Knights of the Republic have the thing where they have literally named six planets in their entire universe, and one of them is called Dantooine, and one of them is called Tatooine. And for child me, and for adult me, this is an unacceptable premise. Kashik. Star Wars has planets named with numbers. What? I'm pretty sure that they mentioned planets in various versions of, like, parts of Star Wars that, like, have numbers. Like, oh, this is, like, Daneb 4, which is a Star Trek planet I know. I thought but, that, like, Yavin 4 is, like, the, the fourth moon of Yavin. Oh, is it? Okay. I, All right. I I, th- I think? I th- ask me anything about Star Wars. Uh, well, this is my question. Is Yavin 4 a moon or a planet? It's a moon. Okay. I'm gonna, we're doing That's it. That's dumb. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. Okay. Yavin 4 Good. was the jungle-covered fourth moon in, our, in an orbit around the red gas giant Yavin. Wait, if it's a moon orbiting a planet, if it's a moon orbiting a... Okay, no, okay, right. It's a planet. Sorry. I'm... Fucking Star Wars. Fucking Star Wars. Fucking Star Wars. Hey, Jackson, is Endor the moon or the planet? Well, Endor's the planet, but they're on the moon of Endor. But they just call it but Endor. Is the... Okay. Good. Star Wars is dumb. It's not good. It's not... So is the is the forest moon of Endor Endor one? Is that its name then? Forest moon of Endor. Because if 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 uh, Yavin four is the fourth moon of the gas giant Yavin, then the forest moon of Endor is Endor one. Unless there's other planet moons, but we don't see them. So let's assume there's only one moon, so it's Endor one. Endor, also known as the forest moon of Endor. Oh my god. Is how this begins. It's just referred to as Endor everywhere. So this is you can't call some Star Wars is not good. So we have been told um fair enough because of our propensity to yell dumb Star Wars things at each other that we are Star Wars people. Uh but if that were true that would be a lot that would be better because the truth is we don't actually like Star Wars. We just can't escape it. <laughs> yeah. We wish it was good. It could be good. It could be like almost Star Trek if it wanted to. <laughs> but it... not when they do shit like this, where they can't even consistently name their planets and moons. <laughs> God damn it! 
God fucking damn it. Anyway. Uh, So you kill the bad guy in a boss fight that's bad, and then you literally just get a cutscene where everybody stands together, and they don't get medals because that would involve animation, but the fake Yoda goes, the day is saved thanks to the Powerpuff Girls, and then, like, there's fireworks, and the game ends. He literally goes, the day is saved thanks to Darth Revan. (laughs) Does he really say Darth Revan? I think he might just say Revan, but he does say... I'm going to look up the script right now. Knights of the Old Republic script. Apparently that's the thing that we've introduced... Uh, to the uh, new um, fact checking. Fact checking. Yep. Uh, and I can't find right. it because there are new stories about the Knights of the Old Republic movie here instead. <laughs> Great. Great. Yep. We'll never know. We'll never know. We'll never know. So but he de- he definitely says thanks to Revan. <laughs> okay. So this is dumb and i know there's a sequel that people like and we're gonna play it and we'll talk about it when we do it's not gonna be anytime soon but well like let's not talk so much about the ending let's talk about the question that this dumb line that you think happened and i'm willing to believe happened because of course uh brings up uh you are you you create a player character who wakes up doesn't have a memory and then is defined by player action well you have a memory but it's it's only a little bit yeah like you know you were a smuggler and then we're put on the ship oh sure uh but then you discover oh you were revan but then the game makes like a really strong textual distinction through the actions of like your your party members and stuff that you were not revan you have made different choices you can be a different person but then the actual like broader text of the game and like the wikis which infuriates me just refer to you as revan as if like your actual person doesn't exist and you are just oh for a while there revan thought they were like a goody two-shoes jedi and then they got over it like that's not what the actual story and themes of this game are but that's how everyone seems to treat it like in a broader i don't know which read uh like um makes me feel weirder because the idea that like the player character is not culpable for Revan's actions, like, is true, because the player character doesn't remember that. They didn't do that. They, that's a new... That's a blank slate. But also the idea that sudden... That, like, say... So say Revan had not had their memories erased and decided to become good. Like, are they are they, are they they less good because they had that stuff happen? Or are they more good because with that baggage they then actually did the even harder work of becoming good from a non-blank slate? Like, wh- what is the morality of this game? What is it actually arguing? I don't really know. I don't think it thinks it through. I'm very excited for KOTOR 2 for this reason. Uh, yeah, maybe. I don't know if KOTOR 2 addresses this stuff specifically, though. I mean, the Nameless One already did all of this 12,000 times better. <laughs> Uh, yeah, if if you want a good RPG and you haven't played Planescape Torment, what the fuck are you doing here? It, Go play that it game. It will ruin you for computer RPGs forever, but it is amazing. <laughs> I still enjoy them. Yeah. I like The Witcher a lot. Yeah, but it's Planescape. Yeah, Planescape's <laughs> the best. Please play Planescape. Yep. But yeah, no, it, it never addresses that stuff. And I think any answer, like if the game committed to an answer, I think any answer would be interesting. I just, it just needs to own its morality and like know that it is, it needs to know as a story that it has a morality and not just says good things are good. You choose. Yep. Especially since there are characters in your party that are defined by their ability to like, oh, we like there's the lady who fell to the dark side and then like, okay, walked walked it back and became like a good Jedi who's denoted as being a light side character. But she fell to the dark side as part of a Jedi trick to like fuck her up. Because the Jedi are totally evil. Like, uh, From my point of view, Jackson, the Jedi are, are evil. Are they? Yes. Well, uh, okay. 
uh, even though that's not an, that's like explicitly not a, not an absolute only the Sith deal absolutes <laughs> <laughs> you will try Look, my point of view is that the Jedi are evil that's just my opinion though no that you cannot speak in absolutes do not give me an ultimatum young man <laughs> And then they fight. That's literally how the prequel trilogy ends. And it's like a actually good, it's like the best moment of that movie, but it's still garbage the minute you think about it. Unlimited power. <laughs> okay, that might actually be the best one. How much power the does he have? Life. We need to know. Unlimited power. <laughs> the, like, probably not because he couldn't prevent Darth Vader from throwing him down a chute. <laughs> Just imagine if George Lucas wrote that entire script. Uh, as word for word, but there's a note, a single note came back, and it was, but how much power does Palpatine have? <laughs> like, like he fought Mace Windu, Kit Fisto, and Yoda in the course of like twelve hours, and then robot suit Darth Vader like wheezes his way behind him and throws him through a chute. <laughs> Fucking Star Wars. Yeah, I have a bad feeling about this. Yeah, well, <laughs> don't we all? <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I don't know. Knights of the Republic was like really interesting as much for its flaws as its successes because I think the flaws speak to the problems inherent in Star Wars as much as they do like games. Well, like I, mean, I don't think the, like this is actually a pretty good game even though it's like a little threadbare sometimes. They speak to the problems inherent in Star Wars but they also speak to the problems inherent in uh, Bioware games. Like, oh, that's true. Like, yeah. This is a marriage of two things which have... Um, historical problems as uh I, modes brought, built into them so i so i don't think dragon age has any of these problems i need to play dragon age. Are, and since we already established that mass effect is just this game it's again, also the same team. maybe it actually maybe it doesn't actually reveal the problems in bioware games it just reveals the problems of this game which is a star wars story that they retold without the star wars just like Dragon Age is like we took D&D and Tolkien and stripped out the licenses we don't own anymore and put in boning mass effect Mass Effect is just we took out the Star Wars and put it. <laughs> yeah. What if they could bone in Star Wars? Uh, they did that. It's called Attack of the Clones. It's a very bad film. <laughs> yep. Yeah, it is. She is still attracted to him after he admits he jump cut genocides an entire village. And then she like calms him down after this. We need to end this segment. We need to end the segment and go on to our one question because Star Wars is bad and we can't just moan about Star Wars all day. I mean, we could. We have. We will. We will continue to do this forever. But for you listeners, dear listeners, we are done. So for segment four, we so. <laughs> I did that on purpose. <laughs> oh, you're the worst. Please see last episode if you don't know what we're talking about. We just need like an editor to put like 60s Marvel like see issue 
uh, annotations in our podcast, I think, at this point. I'll just do, like, a voiceover with an effect, like, And I know nothing 42. Just that, over and over again. That's a really bad idea. Uh, Four questions this week, month, episode, thing. We have one from friend... Wait, wait, wait. If if I wanted to send a question, Jackson, how would I do that? You would do that by uh, sending an email to podcast at abnormalmapping.com or just adding one of us on Twitter at EMBing or off or the at Abnormal Mapping account if you would be so bold. Uh, I mean, I guess you like, could... I guess that's that's a risk. We would, we would get it if you added the Abnormal Mapping account, but like why? why don't? Why would... <laughs> like, come on. Like, the only reason that account still exists is because we're too lazy to delete it, so... <laughs> I mean, I'd, I wouldn't want another person having the abnormal mapping. That's true. We should, yeah, we should. At least I'm sad we it, del- deleted the Tumblr for that reason. It became a weird fucking thing. Uh, anyway. anyway, friend of the show, Cho, uh, asks, I want you and Jackson. <laughs> it's weird that I'm reading this question. <laughs> uh, uh, it is addressed to you, and it reads, I want you and Jackson to debate Sora Riku as a ship. Sora Riku, good yaoi, or garbage yaoi, go. Uh, so this is, this is, uh, the Sasuke problem, right? In that, in an anime setting in which you have two protagonists, or two main characters, two leads, not main characters, not protagonists, two leads, one of which is the rival who is cooler and then becomes evil of the other one, fucking teens will always ship them and it's always the wrong choice. There's never a universe in which shipping those two character archetypes is the right choice. We haven't choice. played the I games, think of but one. people do this to uh, Kiryu and Majima a lot. What are we? What are you talking about? Yaksa. Oh, right, right, right. Uh, you can't ship anyone with Cosmic Kiryu. He already had a boyfriend. His boyfriend died in his arms. <laughs> Don't remind me. I'm just saying that happened. Tragedy. Cosmic Kiryu is going to be a sad dad the rest of his days. He's going to raise his daughter and be like, I had a love. We went to a love hotel once. It was great, but he's dead. Yep. He's dead because of me. I can never love another. <laughs> oh. Anyway, that's the perfect se- game series. Now let's talk about Kingdom Hearts. <laughs> so when we get off this podcast, I'm going to restart Kingdom Hearts for the first time since it was new because I apparently want to catch up on Kingdom Hearts because that's a choice you make in 2016. Said it's easy. Uh, I didn't. I'm going. Oh, I mean, I was going. I was going to. That's how I play everything. Yep. Uh, and uh, this is always the wrong choice. One, the the game explicitly gives Sora a romantic interest. Both of them are interested in each other. It's not like a weird anime thing. Is that in two or he just that, that happen in one? Like, are you ca- wait, what's his? Uh, I, I'm talking about one. Like in the first half hour of that game, I guess there is a yeah. girl, there is a boy. They like each other. They won't talk about it, but they split a fruit that makes them all special. And Riku is poopy pants. Who's going to split the fruit with her taunting you because he is a toxic boy and wants you to feel bad about liking this girl because he's just the worst. Nope. Riku is the worst. There is no redeeming that sad sack boy. I hate him so I've much. Only, I hate him so I've much. only played the first game. Uh, even though Chev has been adding me all week with Kingdom Hearts spoilers, like of just things that happen in Kingdom Hearts in like the extended Kingdom Hearts universe, and they all sound nonsense. I can't tell the lies from the truth. I assume none of them can be lies because you can't even make up anything about Kingdom Hearts. It's that's ridiculous. Um, but I in Kingdom Hearts one, I really I liked Riku. What are you gonna go? Don't don't hate on Riku. Riku's just like a shitter Sifa. Uh yeah, 
C also, Seifer sucks. Oh, no, you fuck off. The best part of Final Fantasy VIII is the end where Seifer is, like, fishing with his buds. Like, it's good. It's good that he became good, but he spends the game being a dick, and I hate him. So does... He's fine. So does like, Squall. I'm, I, like, they both I wish the same him... Arc. No. Squall is justified. <laughs> Seifer is not. I, like, I am fine with the sad boy arc. I guess I am, like, more fine with it than you is the truth here. Oh, I hate the sad boy arc so much. <laughs> Don't be sad. But, but what what differentiates like the sad boy villain arc from the sad boy hero arc of school? Like, what makes that more palatable to you than uh, than the Sifa Riku thing? Like, the thing with them is that so it's it's maybe less true of Sifa because Sifa actually like nobody actually <laughs> also, likes Sifa in the it's game. It's maybe a little different in the calling in Final Fantasy VIII, which is like the way more complex, nuanced game than any of the like anime tropes we're actually referencing. <laughs> The thing, the thing with Riku that bothers me explicitly, and this is the thing that Sasuke and Naruto has. This is like why I call it the Sasuke problem. I am Sasuke. That he, in this dumb triangle that is con, like contrived just for drama, both of the other parties like them a lot. Like Riku's friends think he's cool and like him a lot, just like Sasuke's friends like him and think he's cool. But he can't deal with that. He'd rather just go get unlimited power from the bad guys, and it's the stupidest choice. Like, because then they spend the rest of all of their fiction until they become good again in the very end, moping about how lonely they are. You know why they're lonely? Because they abandon their friends because they're idiots. Yeah, I mean, you're right. But I... I have no sympathy for a character that, like, feels bad because they made the wrong choice. And then doesn't try to fix it, just doubles down on making the wrong choice again and again. Not to... I mean, not to Final Fantasy VIII, but isn't isn't that just Squall's arc? Like, isn't that just... No, because the thing with Squall is Squall, like, over the course of that game, tries over and over again to begin to understand his his friends. And succeeds in doing so. Mm -hmm. That game is about, like, learning how to get outside your own head and, like, trust and love other people. And he succeeds admirably. I don't know. For me, I'm like, I'm fine with... if, 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 If the heroes can have that catharsis, then I'm fine with the, like, sad boys having that catharsis, too. And like, Seifer figures it out after everything goes to shit and, like, he realizes he's been abusive to the people who actually like him. Because, like, your party doesn't like Seifer. Seifer sucks. But Fujin and Raijin like him and he doesn't realize that till the very end, which is great. Mm-hmm. But we're not talking about, like, the course of one game. Riku is, like, nebulously evil still, okay. as far as I so know. to me, as someone who's only played one, I really like the Riku and Sora stuff. And two ends with Riku being wholly good, but on the, like, dark side and they're, like, the equivalent of Sora. And that's a cool place to end it uh for that game if if i load up two and it continues the oh i'm so uh fucking sasuke burden burden which i guess of course if it you will. if you load up chain of memories he's just walking around in his heartless outfit being the worst all the time but he they already they already and, did his arc be, he's already done it be, because kingdom hearts is as much defined by side stories as it is by like actual like main entries at this point mm-hmm. nothing can really change in the side story so riku is always nebulously evil you have to save him because that's the state he is in between all of the games but they they are they don't i'm gonna hate kingdom hearts if that's the case because i was like great that's a good point to end it i assume that they will team up in the i like one. sora i like goofy i like roxas well enough i hate riku i think riku's the worst i, I haven't i haven't seen uh enough naruto to know about sasuke but i do know of sasuke the extended final fantasy universe has two characters named riku one is the worst and one is the best (laughs) the shitty boy is clearly the worst i mean the shitty boy is usually the worst i'm trying to think of characters in the archetype who uh like are more ones than just riku and sasuke because i know there's been a lot like who else also also 
I who mm. else counts? Never mind. I no, I don't want to get into this because I was about to say something and I'm not sure I'm actually willing to double down on it as an opinion. So I'll tell you off. The okay, so all right, we should end up. This so long podcast. as I get to know it. <laughs> yeah, you can you can know, but this is not for the listeners because it's actually probably a wrong problematic opinion. But I'm gonna keep it because I I thought it. I'm like you know what I kind of agree with this. But anyway, anyway, rest assured, listeners, I will be calling M out privately. <laughs> he would. Never. I would never. Next month, we're playing nothing because we have no game club, but we'll probably have a game club in secret, so who knows? Uh, we haven't decided on I that. I might be leaving my house and I have nothing, so like this is the least likely month for there to be a game club, but we'll see. Video games will get talked about yep. one way or another. We're going to get them, get them, get them, get them, get them. You can find Jackson at Headfalls Off. You can check out his other podcast, Trashback Ratio. Uh, that's it. What's the URL for Trashbackratio.com. Thank you. Uh, and you can find me. I honestly didn't know. I didn't know if you got a dumb teal, like whatever no. URL thing. Um, I guess I could get find me at race.io. <laughs> you can find me at EM underscore being on Twitter. Uh, you can find this podcast at normalmapping.com. Check out our YouTube channel. I, by the time this goes up, I will be done with Gradius. Jackson will probably be playing Mega Man 3. Yes. And then I'll be playing something else again. And uh, that'll be what hap- what's happening. I will be in the middle of a Castlevania game. I'm not putting any up this week because of E3. I just didn't want to do yeah. it. No, no content survives. Yeah, no content but what we make for ourselves. God damn it. <laughs> That's a Terminator 2 quote, I Jackson. Know. And I don't like Terminator 2 because it's a bad movie. You know, that's fine. I understand why you'd think that. You're wrong, but I understand. Mm. Mm. I understand. That movie is, like, re- revelatory when you watch it when you're eight. Like, I'm just telling you but this. Riku really likes Terminator 2. <laughs> Goodbye, everyone. I hate you. I hate you so Goodbye. much. This podcast is not only over, but it's canceled. We made it to 50, and I'm pulling the plug. No more abnormal mapping. Go home. Find a new podcast. Listen to the fucking Bombcast. I don't know what you people do. Bye. Bye.